The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up! It's up! It's up! It's up! It's up! It's up. Welcome into an all-new edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Venom on Twitter. He's Bradley Sal, former Ole Miss offensive line, eight-year NFL vet. Today's guest on Talk of Champions, because it's NFL Draft Week, is Deuce McAllister, the all-time Ole Miss and New Orleans Saints great. Coming up on the Modern Women phone line here in about 25 minutes or so. But we got a lot to talk about today. A big development in Ole Miss football. Brad, what's up? What's up, Ben? When you heard the news. Randy Clements fired. What did you think? Um, I was I was honestly extremely disappointed, extremely shocked. Um, obviously, I'm not inside. I don't know the story of of what went on. Um, but I, I had no I had no idea something like that was coming. Um, found out early that morning. Uh, made a few calls, talked to some people, and um, got it confirmed that it did happen. And um, it sounded like it was a little bit unexpected. Not a lot of um, not, not, not a lot of explanation behind it. Um, I, I was shocked. I mean, I, I think coach Clem, I think the world of him. I mean, I got to know him decent, um, spent a little time with him, you know, more, more on the friend level. And, um, I mean, just a great dude. I, I just can't see, I can't see the reasoning by it and the timing of it's even more, um, even more sketchy to say the least. I'll put it this way as first reported by the Ole Miss spirit, a full staff effort to get this news out there. I'm not sure if we didn't report it yesterday that it would have even come out by today, but it's out there now. And a statement was issued by Lane Kiffin. A lot of word salad, nothing of note really there. You usually don't see this. You don't see staff changes in late April, early May. Now for the transfer portal, we're used to that at this point. Yeah. I mean, the the, the timing of this is just odd. I mean, it, it, it almost, it almost screams, Hey, there's some, there's some disagreements. There's some friction there that just couldn't be resolved. 
Um, I mean, there's there's really no other way to put it. I mean, our, our offense. I mean, we led the SEC in rushing. We, by if you if you know talent and can see what Ole Miss has, we are not the most talented bunch in the world. But we got the most out of that that, of that O line last year. Yeah, there was games where they struggled, but that's any O line in the SEC. But I mean, the, I don't think this has anything whatsoever to do with uh, with the actual ability to, for him to coach. Um, I think this has something to do with friction. To be honest with you, I mean, it's um. The timing of it is just, is just awful. Yeah, let's go ahead and get out of the way. This has nothing to do with any recruiting infractions. Sorry, Mississippi State fans that were hoping for something nefarious in regards to this. It's nothing nefarious. It's purely from everything I've gathered. It's all football related. Just disagreements amongst Lane Kiffin and Randy Clements. Now the question becomes, how does it affect Jeff Levy? Look, Jeff Levy and Randy Clements best of friends, been together for 10 years. Of course, he's not going to take it particularly well. But he's got 1.2 million reasons why he's going to do his job to the best of his ability, and he's going to have Ole Miss's offense as good as it can possibly be next season, hopefully replicating the success of this season. I'm not worried about Jeff Levy. It's not like Jeff Levy was blindsided. During COVID, he was effectively running it. He wasn't blindsided. He knew it was coming. Now, the timing... The timing could be a problem. Yeah, well, I think if you look back to losing the tight ends coach, that was that was tough for Levy, to say the least. And then um, a guy who's really close with it that, that, that he could have been retained. Honestly, the the, the story behind that's quite wild. Um, and then you go now now Coach Clem, who's another big part of of Levy's um, you know plan and staff. So that's that's his two main guys gone. I think that's um, you know obviously he just signed a new contract. He's going to fulfill that contract. Um, he no no man in America would walk out on one point two million dollars. So that's never happened. That's not going to happen. But I mean I do think that's a tough blow for him. And um, I mean I get it. Lane's the head coach. This is his thing. Um, he he he's the end all be all. But at the end of the day, um, if Lebby's here past next year, I'd be shocked. That's that's. That's just the honest to God truth on that. Well, let's be real. Had some personal tragedy not happened, Jeff Levy wouldn't have been here right now. He was gone this offseason. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think there's two two different jobs he he sub, he really almost got, um, and I think had he got them, he would have he would have been gone. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that it's we're very lucky to have him for this season. But now that you got two two of his main guys out and um, yeah, I think that's I think that's tough. I, I think he's going to want to be with Clem again at some point. The timing is so bizarre. You just don't see this happen. Now, where Ole Miss could turn, one name that we've heard at the Ole Miss Spirit, Alec Ablin, a Tennessee offensive analyst, is a potential candidate for this. He's a young assistant. He's only three years out of college, but he was formerly a part of the staff under Lane Kiffin, and I know that that name was floated as early as last week as a potential candidate. So there's one name. What have you heard? I, I, I can 100% confirm there is no plan in place. This was done with no plan in place. Um, they're going to interview guys over the next couple of weeks, if I'd imagine. Um, yeah, this was, this was, there was no, no guy waiting. There was, this was done. This wasn't done because they had a guy waiting or, or they have a plan. So what, what's going to have to happen here is the candidate that comes in for this year is going to have to know the offense and going to have to be familiar with, with what they're trying to get done. Cause to ask a, a, a O-line coach that's never worked with this staff or this coach 
to come in here and I mean, she is about to be May. Okay. To come in here, learn the offense and learn his guys and be able to go out there and coach them and, and teach them the, 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 um, you know, different nuances of the offense. It's just, that's, that's a pipe dream. So it's going to have to be somebody either within or somebody that, that kind of is familiar with laying his offense and, and I'm sure he'll have a guy to come in, but I, I know 100% sure they, they had no plan in place when this happened. See, here's the thing, too. From everything we've learned over the course of the last couple of days, it's not like these issues were new between Lane and Randy Clements. So if that was the case, why didn't you just move on in the fall after the season was over? But even so, Lane Kiffin is the head coach. And if he's the head coach and he's making the decisions, he's shown that he's quick to make moves and, quite frankly, be cutthroat with those moves, which, if you're the CEO of the program, your word is the only one that matters. And honestly, this is a completely unforgiving profession. So knowing those things, you have to be cutthroat as possible to survive. Matt Luke, and we've talked about this before, Matt Luke, one of the very first mistakes he made was keeping Phil Longo and Wesley McGriff, though he didn't believe in them because he felt like they deserved a fair crack without all the NCAA stuff surrounding them. And it buried them. First step toward many steps in Matt Luke no longer being the head coach. Now, when he hired Rich Rodriguez, he was told no three times on three candidates at offensive coordinator, including Jeff Levy, that he wanted. That's neither here nor there. Head coaches have to make the calls. Yeah, it, it's certainly odd timing-wise, but here's at the end of the day, here's here's the deal. You're right. It's a cutthroat business. Football is a cutthroat business. I mean, I've seen multiple things like this happen over the years. And at the end of the day, Lane Kiffin runs the program. It's his call. He made the call, and at the end of the day, Coach Clement is one of the best offensive line coaches in the nation, so he's going to be fine. And not to mention, coaches' contracts are guaranteed through 2022. His is, so... He's still going to collect a check. I mean, it's, it is it is what it is. Both guys are going to be totally fine. Um, I mean, Clem will go on to be a, an O-line coach and if he wants to in the next couple of years where he can sit there and still collect his check. So at the end of the day, if it didn't work out between two men, I'm sure they still respect each other. And uh, if it didn't work out, it didn't work out. And, um, you know, as long as Lane Kiffin's a head coach, it's his call on it, and it is what it is. You know, I mean, both guys will move on and be just fine. We've already talked a lot about Jeff Levy and how this impacts him, but that's also what I wanted to touch on even more, dive even further into In the Lead. And today's lead is brought to you by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Finally, at long last, Oxford is getting back to normal. The sun is shining. Those dreary winter months, they're behind us. Better yet, you actually get to experience Ole Miss Athletics events in person. What a world. What better way to get there than in a new car, truck, or Jeep? The only place to go for your next vehicle is Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. They'll take care of you. And I know because I've bought a car there myself. And the experience was too easy. Seamless even. Their only goal is to get you in the vehicle you've always wanted at a good price. So reach out today. Don't wait. Give them a call, 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. Or stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's 2201 East University Avenue, just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Sheep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. Our lead story tonight... 
the lid. You idiot, it's the lead. The lead. I wanted to spend the lead talking all about Jeff Levy and how this affects him. We've already touched on it pretty much at length here, but thinking about the future, I'm with you. Jeff Levy, this is his last year at Ole Miss. It was special circumstances in the offseason that kept him at Ole Miss to begin with. So he's gone. He's gone after this year. But I saw it on the message board. A thread was started. Should we be worried that Jeff Lebby is going to resign? No. Of course not. Now, is this a blow to him personally? Does it piss him off? Yeah. But he's got a job to do. He's a professional, and just like every single one of these guys, have to be cutthroat and are cutthroat, especially the CEO, the head coach, Lane Kiffin. Jeff Levy's going to do his job, and Ole Miss offensively is going to be good, but it certainly sets up next offseason a fascinating couple of months. Yeah, absolutely, man. Listen, this in no way would Jeff Levy walk away from, a, from a, his highest pay ever as a coach. Um, you know, knowing him personally, I've heard some stories about, you know, what it was like after Baylor when they had to go down to the NAI school. Um, no, he's going to enjoy his his upgrade um, for this year. I, I do think in the future he's going to want to be with Clem. He's going to want to be with, um, you know, the tight end coach at left, John John. Um, and I mean, it's just I mean, but but right now he's going to do his job. He's going to be the oldest offense coordinator. He's going to he's going to do very well at it. And, um, you know, if stuff like this happens in this business all the time, I lost multiple people I was close to over the, over the years in, you know, in getting switched to new teams and, and same, same with coaches. I mean, a lot of coaches switching around guys that are really close a long time just doesn't work out. And, you know, the, every guy will be fine. I mean, it's at the end of the day, he's Jeff Levy's his own man. He pays his own bills. So he is, you know, he's going to do what's best for him. And what's best for him is to dominate at Ole Miss this year. Bottom line. Coaches are looking out for number one. They're going to say the right things in public. They're going to talk all about winning championships, how they're going to take Ole Miss to new heights. But if they do take Ole Miss to new heights, what does that mean for them professionally? They're moving on. And I know you, the Ole Miss fan, don't want to hear that. But it's true. These coaches don't view Ole Miss as the last stop. The harsh truth is Lane Kiffin absolutely flirted with Auburn in the offseason last year. He moves with the wind. Lane Kiffin could just as easily next offseason leave. But it doesn't matter. Enjoy it. You hired him for the specific reason of winning and winning now. Who could bring you instant national credibility, a fun product, good recruiting, an immediate shot in the arm? That's effectively what you did. You went out and hired the one guy who could bring you everything all at once immediately, instant gratification, which is effectively what college football has become. The era of social media, everything is about instant gratification. Coaches are no longer allowed five years, six years, seven years to build a program. They're not. If you aren't winning and winning soon, within three years, good chance you're going to be on the hot seat. Jeremy Pruitt is proof positive enough that you do not have runway no matter what. Yeah, you can win the press conference all you want, but that honeymoon will end quickly. The pressure's on Lane Kiffin, too. If he doesn't win next year, with all the excitement, all the hype, Ole Miss fans, you don't think for a second won't turn on him in some way? Of course they will. They always do. 
So it's all about the next stop for these coaches. End of story. Oh yeah. I mean that, listen, you, you, your last stop is your highest paying stop. And that goes with anything in life. I mean, these guys are in this, in this business to, to make money. I mean, obviously they want to be great coaches and stuff as well, but you know, you can, you got to get it while you can get it in, in, in sports and profession. Cause, because while you're in this, in the spotlight and you're getting your opportunity, you never know your opportunity can end in two years. I mean, it, you, you just never know as a coach. So yeah, I mean, you're right. He, he, he's got to, you know, the pressure is going to be on and, and listen, this year Lane Kiffin came in, got the got some excitement in the program, went five and five, won a bowl game. You know that's all great, but but the expectations are there now. And I've been a part of this with Ole Miss before. And you think six and six wins or five wins are going to appease the fans this year? Yeah, you, good luck. It, it'll be a totally different vibe if that happens. So you're right that the, the pre- pressure is going to be there, and the performance got to be there this year. But um, yeah, as far as coaches, I mean, you got you got to get it while you can get it. I hope Lane Kiffin is the head coach of Ole Miss football for 10 years. He's been awesome for business. Lane Kiffin is a brand. He embraces the brand. It's quite remarkable because socially, he's an introvert. He's not particularly outgoing. He's somewhat awkward, but online, he's dynamic. And in this culture, this Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, that fits perfectly. He's the number one coach in college football at generating interest online. The numbers back that up. He was a hired gun. Ole Miss was completely irrelevant. In an SEC West where Alabama, LSU, Auburn, they're not just going to hand over their spots. Auburn got rid of Gus Malzahn, who had the best record against Alabama and one of the very best records in the history of that school because they weren't satisfied with the results, even though the results on paper were pretty damn good. They moved on. They're not just going to hand over their spots. So if you're Ole Miss, you have to be that school that takes that chance. Lane Kiffin was a hired gun. Who cares? Enjoy it. You're getting exactly what you paid for. This is perfect. But don't be hurt if he leaves after he wins big or if he makes a move in April that just typically doesn't happen. If he walks to the beat of his own drum, that's who he is. That's part of the experience. You buy the Lane Kiffin experience. Talking about that reminds me of when I first got to Annapolis, guys would always talk about Peyton Manning and how he would run practices and how he would set up practices. And um, sometimes they'd be really hard walkthroughs and he would team a challenge guys. And if you would mess up, I mean, he would tell you to get out of the huddle or whatever and then put someone else in there that knew it. And he did that on purpose to make everybody better. And the reason why he did that is because when the Colts would lose, everybody blamed him. Then the day he would take the fall, and you know, a lot of it came back on him, and he took the blame, and he saw it as, hey, if I if I'm going to take the blame, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be responsible for making everybody better. And it's no different here with Lane. Um, at the end of the day, the program, the 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 wins and law, everything's going to come down on him. I mean, he's a head coach, and if he wasn't comfortable coaching with Clem, which it looks like they had some differences. Um, yeah, so be it. If he can't be himself around them, then you know you, it comes with the territory, like you said. It, it's a, um, you know, it's his decision, and if it's if it's if he if that's what he felt comfortable doing, then you know that that was on him. And it's at the end of the day, he's going to have to take it take it all at the, um, you know, when it comes to wins and losses, he's going to have to you know be the one hired and fired on it. So yeah, he's the coach. He's the one that has to answer for the results. If you're an Ole Miss fan, just enjoy the winning as long as the winning is happening. And don't fret things like this. There's no reason to. Ole Miss football is relevant. It's nationally relevant. It's interesting. Recruits are paying attention. 
Lane Kiffin is perfect for what Ole Miss needs because for Ole Miss to be nationally relevant, it has to take that chance. So I'm all for this. I just don't want fans to get caught up in the timing or to start fretting things like, oh, what about Jeff Levy? Is Jeff Levy going to leave? Yeah, maybe at the end of the year. But right now, because his friend got fired in April, no. He's making $1.2 million. $1.2 million. I will never in my life see $1.2 million. You have. Let's not talk about that. But $1.2 million. He's not going anywhere. And Ole Miss offensively is going to keep humming. The timing is what's so odd. But if you're an Ole Miss fan, just enjoy the winning. Embrace today. Because who cares about tomorrow? Remember, it wasn't so long ago that every single day was filled with drama in regards to the NCAA. No one longs for those days anymore, Brad. No one longs for the days where you woke up thinking, oh my God, what ridiculous, absurd, can't write this shit story about Ole Miss is showing up today. No one longs for those days anymore. Now it's just about, oh, Lane Kiffin says something funny on Twitter. Let's not create drama where there isn't some. I look at it as a head coach firing an offensive line coach you didn't agree with. Has nothing to do with recruiting violations or anything else. Yeah, the timing sucks, but let's not make more of it than it is. Yep, I totally agree. Both both men will move on and be just fine. Both men are taken care of very well financially through this. So um, I, I think that, you know, sucks. I think I think Clem's a great guy, great coach. But at the end of the day, um, this ain't the first time something like this has happened. The timing is odd, but both men will be just fine. Just enjoy today. And Ole Miss has a football team that could be a top 15 program next year. So that's all it is. But more about things going on at Ole Miss outside of just football and Randy Clements and Lane Kiffin. That's why we go around the circle. Around the circle. That's the trouble around here. Talk, talk, talk. Ole Miss baseball has a huge series coming up this weekend against South Carolina. And when you look at the hosting possibilities, Ole Miss will find out its predetermined site, whether its bid was accepted or not by the NCAA, the week of May 10th. So not many more opportunities here. And one team that's in contention with Ole Miss in one of those final six spots or so to host is South Carolina. Ole Miss is at its lowest point in the top 25 this week. I think the lowest ranking was 19th. The highest was 17th. If you're worried about Ole Miss hosting, they need to beat South Carolina. They don't have to sweep them, but win the series. They have lost four consecutive series. They have to start winning series. They've been competitive. They have an offense that is first, can you believe it, in batting average with runners in scoring position. But they're also first in the SEC in grounding into double plays. There's so much that we could talk about with Ole Miss baseball, but it comes down to this, win this weekend. If you want to host, win this weekend. Yeah, I think I think losing that series to LSU, obviously we were, by the grace of God, we are able to pull out that Sunday game. But I think this really, you know, uh, you were hoping to win the series versus LSU, then, you know, everything, you know, kind of filled back to normal. But, I mean, I think we're kind of backed into a corner now to where you just can't afford, you, you, you have to win an SEC series at some point to, to, you can't lose five in a row. And I think that that goes without saying. It's just a... We're at the position now where it's time to start start pulling out some of these series. I, I think though, I think the talent is there. I mean, I think we got enough talent. Obviously, not having Gunner last weekend hurt us big time, but I mean, I, I, I'm just waiting on this team to kind of explode. I don't know if we're ever going to, but I think the talent is there to where you could get hot and you know potentially make it. I think the chances of us making it are just as good as any year. I really do. I just think that it's a matter of are we going to get hot? 
are we going to start stringing some wins together, stringing a, a weekend series together, and, and and get it going? I mean, now's the time. We got to. We've been kind of waiting all year. Hey, let, let's get this get this thing rolling. It's just kind of been stagnant. So, if you look at the teams that ranked above us, I mean, we have we've won six games versus teams ranked above us right now of some sort. So, I mean, we're, we're right there. We're not a bad baseball team. We just have to kind of get it going, in my opinion. The question is, is Gunnar Hoagland truly going to be okay? Now, Mike Bianco, every time we've talked to him, has said he doesn't believe that it's a serious injury, that it's going to keep Gunnar Hoagland out, anything like that. We talk to Mike Bianco again tomorrow. We should know more. If Gunnar Hoagland doesn't show up in this weekend series against South Carolina, now you have every right to be concerned. Because Gunnar Hoagland, he's the rug that brings the room together. You got to have Gunnar Hoagland. You have to if you hope to make a real postseason run. Because I think the latest predictive site that I looked at, Ole Miss was a number two seed playing at Louisville. This team is better than being a two seed playing in Louisville. Just play like it. But you got to have your guys healthy. And it starts with Gunnar Hoagland. So today, as we're recording, there is not really any concern about Gunnar Hoagland. But there was some hope that he was going to pitch on Saturday, and he didn't. And Mike said afterwards, yeah, I know people probably cringed when he didn't pitch, but really we were just being cautious. We didn't want to push him. There was no reason to because, yeah, we could use him this weekend. We need him more for the rest of the year. So I'm going to take that, going to keep running with that, Barring something catastrophic, I think Gunnar Hoagland's going to be fine. Here's something that's fascinating to me. I'm not on Instagram anymore, so it was sent to me, but I saw an Instagram screenshot of Tim Elko hinting that he could potentially play this weekend. Now, he's never going to play the field for the rest of the year, but he could hit. And Mike Clement, when he was on this podcast a week ago, said, yeah, when he hits, it's going to be either a single, a home run, a strikeout, or a walk. He's not going to be one of those that's going to be digging out, running out, a double. Is it really all that smart, in your opinion, for Tim Elko to push this? I know you want to as a player. And you've been in that position as a player, not baseball, but football. The competitiveness, if you can, you want to go. I get that. But Tim, are you really wanting to do this with an ACL? Yeah, you can help, but really, how much can you help? Honestly, I could argue just simple adjustments to the lineup, including making Kel Baker the permanent DH, would be equally, if not more productive than Tim Elko on one leg. I love Tim Elko. He's the best hitter almost had this year. It's devastating that he went down like he did. ACL injuries don't happen. But pushing this, potentially playing or trying to play this weekend? Yeah, I just, <clears throat> it's hard to advise a player. I mean, when you got a torn ACL, I mean, if Tim Elko thinks he's got a chance for the next level, I mean, you go, you go get that thing fixed and you get back, you, know, get, get, you get the recovery process going. But, um, you know, I mean, if, if he if he wants to push it out, I mean, I would not advise that. But, um, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see what it looks like. I mean, I, I don't I, I just don't know how you hit with a torn ACL. What does unless, it even look like? Yeah, I, I, I don't even know. It's hard to imagine that. And then, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, that, that, that's something tough to see. I mean, I, I'm sure it can be done, um, but I just don't know the um, – you know, the upside of that. I mean, I, I'd much rather him get a surgery, get healthy and come back next year. I mean, it, w- it would be freaking awesome to have him back. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if he, maybe, maybe it means something to him. You never know. Maybe he's one of those guys who can kind of handle the pain and it isn't bugging him. But um, I've never seen a guy, you know, play through an ACL or anything. So uh, I don't know. It makes me cringe to think about that. Gunner, not so much. Tim Elko trying to play, that makes me cringe. Because he does have a professional future. 
Maybe it's been derailed. Maybe he has to come back for next year and do it all over again. For Ole Miss, that's great. For the player, I hate it for him because this was supposed to be his breakout draft year. And I'm all pro player. So that's unfortunate. I just want the guy to be healthy. I appreciate the willingness to try. I really do. It's commendable that you want to be that captain, push through, try to help your team any way you can. Think about yourself, because no one else is going to think about you. When you're gone, it's next man up. How much do we still talk about Greg Kessinger and Thomas Stiller? How much do we still talk about even a Lance Lynn who's playing in Major League Baseball? It's what are you doing for Ole Miss Baseball now? So, Tim Elko, protect yourself. Your health is what's more important than whether or not you can get a big hit in a weekend series against South Carolina in your senior year when you tore your ACL. Yeah, I I, I have to agree with you on that one, man. I mean, it's just, that that, would be tough. I mean, maybe he does it. Maybe he does it. Maybe there's motivation there for him, but you're right. I mean, you got to protect himself here. If he thinks he has any chance in the future, he needs to get that thing fixed and get it back recovered. And, um, you know, so he can, so he can have a chance, you know, you go out there and I don't know if he can mess it up any worse, but you know, you're, you're, you're delaying your recovery process by two or three months. Going around the circle, Ole Miss women's soccer advanced to the second round of the NCAA tournament for the fifth time in program history. I don't know much of anything else, but that's awesome. Matt Mott, great dude. That's something. Yeah, how about that? Isn't um, I think Laposter's sister is a big part of that team, isn't it? Isn't he the, the um, got me? I think Knox Laposter's sister is a big part of that team, which is which is cool. Well, what do you know? It's time to go to Deuce McAllister. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Been on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. If you haven't already subscribed, review Talk of Champions and iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. Also available on SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. Going now to the Modern Women phone line to speak to Deuce McAllister, all-time Ole Miss and New Orleans Saints great. But before we do, see you, buddy. See you, Ben. Howdy, toddy. Let's hear from BNA Bank and Cheney's Pharmacy. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Oxford, Mississippi is always at its best in the spring and summer. The sun is shining, the square is popping, and you actually now get to go back to Ole Miss Athletics events in person. What could be better? But the only way to truly enjoy everything that Oxford and Ole Miss has to offer is to make sure you're still taking care of yourself, keeping yourself safe, and that you have a pharmacy you know you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy, a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there, hands down, it's not close. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221 or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at cheneyspharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy.
the Modern Woodman phone line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. Going now to the Modern Woodman phone line to speak to Deuce McAllister, all-time Ole Miss great running back, former running back of the New Orleans Saints, and a good friend of this podcast. Hey, buddy, what's up? Nothing much, man. How you doing? I'm good. How you handling draft week? It is draft week. Um, it's a lot, a lot to process, but um, I think at the end of the day, you're you're really excited for uh, the young men that have sacrificed so much, and really the families as well. I mean, uh, a lot of times you don't think about the families and how much they've sacrificed to kind of allow that that individual to get to this point. And so, a lot of dreams uh, will be realized over the next couple of days. What do you remember best about your draft week? Stressful. Uh, because unless you're really the number one, the number two pick, it's a lot of uncertainty. And so uh, it, it, it's a lot of stress. And really with social media out there now, uh, that probably adds a little bit more to the clutter of things that you're hearing, things that you kind of believe, things that are that, that are not true. And so um, at some point, you know, you will find the home that, that, that kind of fits for you and the team that selects you. But, you know, until that point, it's it's just the unknown. I've never felt older until I think last week I read a story that Deuce McAllister was celebrating the 20-year anniversary of being selected by the New Orleans Saints in the first round. And Deuce, you're my buddy, but holy crap, 20 years? Really? So if you haven't felt older, how do you think <laughs> I felt when they said, man, you know, you're coming up on your 20-year anniversary as far as the draft? And I said, what? Are you serious? Has it been that long? You know, and I started looking at my head, and I said, yeah, I don't have any hair, but that's been that way for a while. So uh, <laughs> it go it it goes extremely fast. I mean, but, uh, you know, I, I, I was tremendously blessed to be in that position and just to be able to um, live that moment, have that moment, and experience that moment. And so, you know, just see these young people be able to have that same opportunity is pretty special. When you heard your name called, you've been working to that moment for so long. What was it like? What's it like being in that moment? You're relieved. I mean, you're you're relieved because at that point, you know, uh, particularly for myself to 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 fall, you know, as far as where you projected, where you were uh, thinking that you were going, I'm just relieved. And so now I have a home. And so the next thought process was, you know, to learn and figure out as much as I could about that team in a short amount of time. But you know, all the work, all the things that you prepared for, all the the sacrifices that you made to get to give up, you were finally able to achieve that dream of, man, I'm an NFL player. Now it doesn't hit you that, you know, there's a lot of work to be done, but at that moment you realize that, you know, it was all worth it. You've been on this podcast so many times, so I'm sure we've covered this already, but in the lead up to the draft, who all were you hearing from? I think the giants was one, the Patriots, you thought you were going pretty early in the draft to fall to the twenties and to fall to the saints. How did it happen that way? Do you think? Well, I think a couple, just looking back and, you know, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, and just some, some, some things that I felt that I could have probably done better. Um, one was probably electing to play in the senior bowl or at least going and participating some of the meetings with the senior bowl. And, 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 and look, uh, LaDamian Thompson, he's a hall of fame player, but I really felt like he was able to separate 
a little bit himself as far as uh, distinction from myself as the first back or the second back, you know, him being the second back, et cetera. Uh, I, th- I thought that he was just able to um, build relationships. I mean, because I, w- I was not there. I was not visiting with those coaches. I was not in those meetings. I wasn't going out there and competing on the field. And, you know, I was dealing with a, a shoulder injury, but it wasn't anything major. Going back and looking on it, it's like, man, you know, just to be able to go down there, even if I don't play in the game, but just to be able to go down there and practice and be around those coaches and let them kind of see me as a person, I think that was one thing that that probably could have helped myself. And then really, um, I chose not to really do a lot of the drills at the combine. And going back and looking at it, I, I, I was ready. I could have probably did that. But I think when you're so close as far as, 1A, 1B as far as running backs are concerned or you're fighting for that top position, I think that you got to do one. I think you got to do one or the other. You can't sit out completely both of them like I did. And so even though I was a number two back taken, I think just going back on it, you know, uh, participating in one of those events, the combine uh, fully, or at least, you know, being able to do a lot more in front of some of those scouts, uh, or at least a senior bowl, I think would have helped myself to kind of separate and make it a lot closer for teams to say, Hey, look, we got to take this kid in the first, you know, top five picks. We can't, we can't allow him to, to, to get out or get, get below, um, X number. And so, you know, just going back and looking at it, those are just some things that you think about that, man, I could, I've got, I could have did this or, you know, just participating in this, uh, I think that would have probably helped my case a little bit. Beforehand, were you absolutely convinced you were going in a particular spot or a particular time frame? Top 10 for sure. Top 10, top 10 for sure. I mean, because the four main teams that I visited with, they were in the top 10. And two of those teams ended up taking a running back, but they just took them in the second round. And so for myself, I felt like for sure top 10. You know, at worst, you know, perfect world, it's top five. But for sure, top 10. Because I knew once I got past pick 12, there were probably seven or eight picks that teams didn't need a running back. You know, they had either signed one via free agency or they just had drafted one of a, a young guy. So I knew if I got past pick 12, it was going to be trouble. I mean, but I felt fairly confident that I would be a top 10 pick. Had you heard much from the Saints? Not at all. I mean, we, we, we basically spoke briefly at the combine uh, in some of the meetings that you, you, you kind of set up with teams, but uh, I never visited with the Saints. The Saints had just traded, you know, an enormous amount of, of, of picks to pick Ricky Williams just a couple of years earlier. So the Saints were not anywhere on my radar as far as a team that, you know, would have interest in picking me just because they had given up so much draft capital to take Ricky Williams a couple of years earlier. Yeah, you're preparing to go to New York, go to Boston. Now it's New Orleans. That's got to be a culture shock as far as the preparation you made was for one particular place. Now you're thinking, oh, God, i got to learn about this place. Yeah, I mean, it, it was Chicago, San Francisco, you know, New York, uh, Boston. Those were the teams that I figured that would be taking me. Even Cleveland was one just because you had spent so much time talking to those specific teams. Those teams had flown me out to their facility. And, you know, you, you, you go out to dinner with some of the coaches and things of that nature. You know, I just figured, hey, look, this is high interest. This is, you know, you're not, you're not visiting uh, every team, uh, one through 18. You know, there were only four or five teams that I, that I spent a lot of time with 
and that I truly visited with. And, you know, it was interesting because Charlie Weiss, he came to Oxford and he and uh, my running back coach at the time, Rich Versace, were really, really good friends. And uh, Charlie came and worked me out personally. We got on the whiteboard. We, you know, we went over some plays. We went over some calls. We did some things individually. So I felt really good about the, you know, New England in that certain situation. But, you know, it all works out. It all works out the way it's supposed to in the end. Yeah, you're an all-time great. But when did you feel like it was your running back backfield in, in New Orleans? When did it become Deuce's spot? After my first year, I got a call from uh, Randy Mueller, and they were basically letting me know that, hey, look, we're trading Ricky Williams. Are you ready? You know, we we, we, we have supreme confidence in you. And, uh, you know, what, what was interesting for myself was I only had 16 carries <laughs> the complete year. 16 carries the whole year. Uh, that's normally a game or at least three quarters of work <laughs> yeah. for uh, a, a, a regular every down back. And so for them to have that type of confidence in me uh, with 16 carries over 16 games, that, 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 that told me that they really believed in myself. And so I knew that they had kind of seen enough. I was disappointed that I wasn't playing more, but you know, that that's after one year. And so uh, to be able to go out that next year and just try to prove to 22 other teams that they made a mistake, you know, 22 other teams that, you know, I, I, I was a guy that you, you, you should have taken. Well, looking back on it, 2001 was a year in which rookies weren't expected to come in and be the faces of the franchises. Like Trevor Lawrence, when he walks into Jacksonville, he is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Same thing with Zach Wilson, wherever Justin Fields ends up. But back then, especially with running backs, it was like teams believed rookies needed a year to get their feet under them, and then they could take over in the second year. That's completely changed. Now, if a kid comes in and he doesn't make an immediate impact in the first three years, they're ready to write him off. Sam Darnold is a perfect example of that. Yeah, it's considered. I mean, uh, the landscape has changed a lot more. And so they're, they're, the, the thought process now particularly is, hey, look, he's on a young – he's on a rookie, he's a rookie contract. You know, it's a, you normally have four to five years – to, to, to have them at a cheaper rate than you normally would. And so uh, particularly for that position, uh, there's not a lot of thread, you know, normally on the, on the wheels. So you better get as much as you can out of them. And so if you let him sit for a year, a rookie running back, that's just a year closer for him to free agency. And he hadn't had a lot of carries or touches or mileage uh, that, that a team got out of him. And so uh, you see it totally different now. Very rarely do you see a young player uh, be able to sit and learn, particularly from a quarterback standpoint. And, you know, you bring up Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold hadn't had the same offensive coordinator since he's been in the NFL. Mm. Every year it's been a different coordinator. And, and that's tough. And then the other part of it is you got to give him some weapons. I mean, you, 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 you haven't supported him with anything as far as assets around him. And that, 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 that's disappointing. And the next thing you know, now his fundamentals are out, out the window. Um, he's seeing things that are not truly there. Uh, he's got bad mechanics and, and, and it's like, well, he, let's write him off. You know, he's not good. And so that makes it tough, particularly when you talk about a quarterback and then the pressure uh, of a place like New York, you know, when you, you, you have 
50 to 60 media members that are coming in. And, you know, it's a lot different when you go to Jacksonville. Yes, there'll be a lot of people there the first couple of days. You got a new head coach, you got a new quarterback. But on average, there may be 15 people that cover that team year round, you know, and so it's different. And so the pressure will still be there because he's the number one pick, but it's a pretty safe environment from a media frenzy where there won't be as much push on him. And so he'll, he'll, he'll have a different setup than Sam Darnold. What's crazy about Sam Darnold is he's 23. He's like a year or two older than Zach Wilson. And people are already treating him like he's a bust, which is insane because he's got so much football left. Well, I agree with you. And, you know, it's disappointing in that manner as well, because, you know, when you look at it and you you look at the expectations, uh, I think he he hadn't lived up to it to the expectations, but I don't think he's a bust. I think he's been surrounded by bad, bad situations as far as uh, head coaches or, and or offensive coordinators that didn't cannot really help him. And, uh, you know, some of that I blame on, on the general manager as well. I mean, because you've got to get him some weapons. If you don't get him any weapons, then it's going to be tough. We'll get right back to Ole Miss and New Orleans Saints great Deuce McAllister in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, who powers Talk of Champions. Are you looking for a career change? Maybe COVID threw you for a loop. Maybe it's time that you did something else. Maybe you're just tired of working nine to five for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else. Well, our phone line sponsor, Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, is looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary. You do have to be a resident of Mississippi, but what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. Don't wait around anymore. It's time to make a change. So for more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas Chandler today directly through Facebook or his number at 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Make the change. Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, the title sponsor of Talk of Champions. What non-quarterback do you like the most in this draft? Non-quarterback that I like the most in this draft, if I had one player, it would probably be – I got two, really, and that's offensive linemen. (laughs) It's later, the the, the tackle guard from uh, Northwestern and then – Pinelli, he opted out the Oregon offensive lineman, Sinelli. Uh, I think both of those guys will be um, – they'll, they'll, they'll be all pro players. I saw a projection, a mock draft, that had Elijah going to the Saints. If Elijah does go to the Saints, do you like the fit? I love the fit. You know, I would be surprised if they took him. I mean, because Elijah at that point, I expect Elijah to go anywhere between 20 and latest is probably 40. So there's about 20 picks in there. And so for the Saints, they just have they, they their needs with their first rounder. I just don't see it being a, a receiver. And so you talk about, all right, getting to your second pick, Elijah will be gone. Elijah will be gone by the time the Saints pick their second pick. So my window for him is, you know, late teens to 40-ish. At, at the uh, at the latest, I mean, it's just you know, there's so much value and so much things that you can do with him. The thing that you worry about with him is the the uh, the hits. But I mean, if you're if you're a good, good OC, you can put him in positions where you don't overuse him, but you allow him to be able to 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 make plays for you as well. I've said this before too. 
that I think Elijah's getting into the league at the perfect time for what he does well. Slot receivers are never more valued than they are now, and he's an elite route runner as a slot. I think last year in college football got open on 71% of his routes. So to be going into this draft with his skill set and what he does well, it couldn't be a better time for him. Teams aren't playing 4-3. Teams are playing nickel. I mean, that, that that's your that's your base. So most teams are playing with three receivers on the field. And if they're not playing, you know, that, that's probably 50 to 60% of the time when you look at it. And so for him, he's just like a starter. I mean, it's not like he's going to be in a situation where, um, it, 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 Hey, look, you're only coming on, on third down. I mean, teams are, teams are using a, a slot receiver first, second, and third down. And, and, and here's where I think even he could be more special for you is red zone situations where it's all about matchups. It's it, it, it it's about matchups. And now can I hide him in the backfield? Can I motion him in, can I motion him out? You know, can I line him up as a wildcat guy? Can I you can do so many different things for him. I mean here's the thing with the NFL that's kind of different from college. You can only dress a certain amount of guys. And so if I got a guy that can play, he can be a punt returner for me. He can play in the slot for me. He can be a backup running back. Maybe my third, my third down guy, he, he backs a, a guy up. He can be an emergency quarterback for him. I've already used him in five different ways. Normally that's three different players that uh, you have to be able to dress. And so I think that's where he'd become so valuable for a team that he kind of, play so many different roles for you. And so I think that, that that's what makes him special when you talk about how you can use him. My comp for him is Brandon Ayuk. Do you have a comp for him? I do like Brandon Ayuk. I like him a lot in that role, in that, in that type of situation. You know, the one, one guy, um, uh, Texas a and played at Kansas City, uh, Deontay, Dante Hall. You know, that, 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 the, the human joystick, you know, that, that's kind of who I see him as, as far as being a guy that he doesn't have to be your number one receiver. He doesn't have to be your, your number two, but he gives you the production of a number one, number two guy. And so you put him in the slot, you can put him out wide. You can line him up as a single on a single side away from the tight end. You can, you can, you, you can do so many things with him. I just think that if he gets in the right system, gets in the right system with a coordinator that knows how to be creative and use his skill set, you know, the sky's the limit for him. You talk to all these front offices. You're in the league. You know the people. We could talk about A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, but it goes further than that. Dante Moncrief has had a long NFL career. Yeah, he hasn't had the impact maybe that was expected, but he's hung on for so long. Cody Core, a lesser-known wide receiver. Ole Miss wide receivers, save for Laquan, when they make it to the league, they produce, and yet – they continuously fall in drafts. Why do you think that is? Some of it is the offense. Some of the uh, and 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 you know you, there's some uncertainty uh, in 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 that offensive system. And so hey, look, it, it, it's got to get to where you're 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 running the offense at least that they kind of see on Sunday. Now the NFL is turning more to the college game as far as some of the systems that they're running. But I mean, a lot of that has been because. Uh, you don't see that style of offense. Hey, look, you know, it's, it's very rare that you go and see a receiver have the ability to kind of pick his route 
based off of coverage. Uh, <laughs> you may have two ro- options based off of coverage, but very rarely are, am I going to allow you to say, uh, based off of this coverage, I'm, I'm, I'm going to run this specific route. You know, that's normally how it is uh, in the NFL. You know, you may have a post or you may have a, a corner route based off of coverage, but you and the quarterback have to see that, you know, or you may convert it to, to uh, something else based off of press coverage, but very rarely will a receiver, you know, maybe stay on the same side and he's got these four routes at his disposal uh, every play. You know, it's just a, it's a lot more defined. And so um, just because the defenses are so much more complicated uh, from a from a schematic standpoint of what they do and how they try to uh, confuse whether it's a receiver and or a quarterback, you just you, you just don't see it. Look, you and I are friends now. But back when I was in high school, Ben Garrett in high school was obsessed with Deuce McAllister on the Saints. And the second jersey I ever bought after Emmett Smith was the Deuce 26. And you started in the league as a returner. So if Elijah starts there, what advice would you give him as to how to make an impact there and then grow your role gradually? I think the biggest thing is just be able to catch the ball, particularly on a punt time. Be able to catch it. I mean, because that 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 league, it's about hitting yardage. Can I pick up a first down just by catching the football? If you get a first down, ten plus yards on a return, man, that's that that that's all pro. That's Pro Bowl level type situation. Just catch it. Just be able to catch it. And then you get in some stadiums. You know, you talk about Chicago with the win. You talk about New York. You talk about San Francisco, Baltimore. You know, all of those stadiums, even even Nashville, all of those stadiums, most of them are right there on the water or they have tricky wind. And so that's one thing as a return, a punt return for sure, that you have to be able to adjust to and make sure that you go out early, you got a good feel on it. The other thing that you, you talk about the return game that's tricky in the NFL you have to see the ball leave the foot of the punter. Man, there's some Sam uh, Cook, I think, uh, uh, is his name. He's the Baltimore punter. He's got about 15 different punts that he uses. And so you talk about like knuckleball. If you don't see it off the foot, you don't stand a chance, you know, in that league. And so if you could just catch it, just catch it. And yardage afterwards is great, but just catch it. I think that 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 a special team coach will love you. And then when you're talking about the, the the return game, as far as kickoff return, I mean, you you always want to get to at least a 30. I mean, you get to the 30 or better. That 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 that's outstanding. Uh, and so you know that that that's the easy role for you. Then you start working your way in. You start as a third down guy where, you know, I can be reliable for the quarterback. I understand zone coverages, and if it's man, I know I can beat that guy, but I understand zone. I can fit in the coverage. I can be dependable for the quarterback. And so that's where you start to just gain in that trust, not only of the quarterback, but of the OC as well. You know how many times I've teed it up for you to make fun of me for my Deuce McAllister jersey? Every time, because you're a good dude, you've avoided it. But I've just teed it up man, for we you pros. so many times, man. You we, can just say, Ben, yeah, you were corny. It's okay. We we pros, man. We don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first offseason for the Saints without Drew Brees. He retired. How much different is it for the organization and hearing all the conversations? What's it like down there for y'all? Well, what's interesting is Drew really took a lot of time off during the offseason anyway. So I don't know, and 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 really with COVID and not having uh, the Saints not going through off-season training <laughs> the last two years, I can't tell you how those guys look 
you know, because uh, Sean last year, he decided not to do anything with his guys and they, they showed up during camp. And so a lot of the receivers and guys, they got together on their, on their own, but it wasn't anything that was uh, team hosted. And I'm pretty sure that they're probably going to do that as well. So to be able to give an honest assessment of what Jameis looks like or what Taysom looks like, you know, throwing, I don't know if I'll be able to do that until, you know, they, they, they literally start training camp again. And so it's just going to be interesting because there's a lot of change. And so what's interesting with, with, with Drew and his situation, he has missed over the last two years, I guess about what, nine, 10 games. So they've played in games without him, but you always do in the back of your head, well, Drew will be back, you know, Drew will be back in a couple of weeks. You just got to survive. Well, now you're looking at it from a 17-game aspect. Drew and coming back, but can you survive? And so it's going to be interesting to see if they can do it. They've got the talent around him, whoever the quarterback is, but, you know, number nine won't be able to come out there and save you. Do you buy that Taysom and Jameis are the future of the position, or could they potentially sneakily grab a quarterback in this draft or at some point – and that's the quarterback of the future. Is the quarterback of the future on the roster? For this year, I think he's on the roster. I could see them taking a, uh, a quarterback maybe third round. But, but the first and second round guy, they they, they got to get guys that can come in and play, can 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 help you try to win. I mean, because you've got too many, you've got too many, too much talent uh, around that roster not to be able to compete for one of the playoff spots right now. Now, if you decided to blow it up then, yeah, you, you, you go get a quarterback, you let him take his lumps, and then you try to rebuild it from, from that standpoint. But they didn't blow it up. And, yes, they got rid of some 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 some, some good players, but Alvin Kamara is an all-pro. You know, Michael Thomas is an all-pro. Teron Armstead is an all-pro. Uh, Ryan Ramchick, your, 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 your right tackle, is an all-pro. You know, Cam Jordan didn't have the year that he normally has, but he's, he's an all-pro. Demario Davis, the same thing. So you've got, you've got too many playmakers – still available that you kind of you kind of could have moved on from but they decided not to so you're just saying all right let's let's put a quarterback in here that can manage this situation get it to the playmakers and let's see if we can't make at least a run to get us back in the playoffs one of the last things do you buy that a window for a team to win a super bowl is when a rookie quarterback is on that rookie deal and if you're not with a quarterback with on a rookie deal then you need to reset break it all down, strip it down for parts, and start over. Do you buy that philosophy at all? I, I, I can see both both instances. I can see both sides of that that situation being being the uh, uh, factor for a team. I mean, but you go, you just look at last year. Tom Brady, you know, we know he wasn't on a rookie deal, but they were able to have so many other parts. And you can say what you want, but Tom Brady wasn't the reason that Tampa Bay won won the Super Bowl. It was a defense. When you go back and you look at Russell Wilson, when, when, when they were able to make those runs, he was on a rookie deal. But it wasn't all Russell Wilson. It was the defense. So you've got to be elite in one area if you're going to have a young quarterback where I can pay all of these other guys all this money before I have to pay my quarterback. But at the same time, you know, you, 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 your quarterback can't hurt you. He doesn't have to go out there and win the game for you. But at the same time, he can't hurt you so I can see both sides of it, uh, and 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 obviously, if I have a young quarterback, you know, maybe a couple years in the league, yes, he can go out there and 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 win games for you. But he better either be he better either be elite or I got to be elite somewhere else, uh, primarily defensively, if you're going to win it.
Well, the perfect question to end this interview on, Nick Suss, the Clarion-Ledger Ole Miss beat reporter, I asked him this, if Matt Corral had come out in this draft, where would he have landed? And he put him in between the Stanford quarterback and Kyle Trask, and that's effectively a top 100 player. Where would you put Matt Corral in this group? Matt is probably, if he had came out this past year, Matt is probably between 5 and 10 as far as quarterbacks. You know, he, he, he's probably between 5 and 10. The one thing that I would have asked is, was this a mirage this past year? You know, is this the guy that I'm getting going forward, or will there be regression? Will there be regression where he's sporadic, you know, uh, the deep ball throws, the underneath throws, uh, he's not checking the ball down. Every play, he's looking for the big play. You know, that's what he's going to have to continue to show is, if I don't like what I have, if I don't like my first and second option, I'll take the check down. I'll keep the chains moving. Uh, second, second and four is okay. You know, second, second and four, you, you keep the ball. But, you know, that's what he's got to show uh, the, the, the head coaches and the OCs. That, that, that's what he's capable of doing. And, you know, I, I think obviously he's a first-round talent going into the draft next year. But they're going to want to see him be able to lead and be able to be under control. I can play with emotion. Emotion is fine. That's great. But I'm under control, and I have the other ten guys on the field under control with me as well. And so um, – if he had came out this past year, he was probably in between five and ten as far as the top quarterbacks uh, in, in 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 the upcoming draft. You know, uh, I probably even see him being able to maybe work his way as far as top four. But you know that that that's being able to get one team. You don't have to have all thirty-two of them loving you. All you need is to convince one that you're their guy, and you know that that that's all it takes for for them to draft you. It's effectively trading in the possibility of working against this field into the first round to being in a pole position to be a first rounder by just performing and doing what you do and improving the things that you struggled with last year, which was turnovers, right? I mean, he's right now in a position to where he's going into next year thinking, okay, I'm just improving my stock. I'm not proving anything so much as doing better because I'm in a pole position to be a late, if not better, first rounder. I agree 100%. And so even when you go back and you look at some of those turnovers, it's because I'm either holding the ball, I didn't see the coverage, or I didn't take a check down. You know, I'm forcing the ball. I'm forcing the ball maybe somewhere where the defense, they're taking away my deep throw. It's It's okay to take the underneath throw. Now, you know, obviously Coach Libby and Lane, they have to give him some options as far as underneath, and and, and, and he's got to be able to see it from a defensive standpoint. But if you cut down from a turnover standpoint and show that you're willing to take some of those check-down throws, hey, it's it's money. Where are you going to be for the draft? On the radio. (laughs) I will be at the Saints facility uh, talking about the draft. Okay. You're a busy man, and I appreciate you coming on and doing this. It's always fun to catch up with you. We'll do it again. Have fun this week, man, and congrats. 20 years. 20 years, and I have about, in the next couple of days, it will be about 15 hours of radio and television for myself from Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So it should be fun. I I have my teeth from a voice and uh, some cough drops ready. Well, you fit your friend in, and I appreciate you, buddy. We'll talk again. All right, thank you so much. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.